What's going on, guys? And welcome to the Triple H Podcast. Happy Hour Hoops, your one-stop shop for enjoying a cold beverage and listening to our ice-cold basketball takes. We got you covered on everything NBA all the time. Don't forget to follow us at Happy Hour Hoops 1 on all social media platforms. Follow at Trainwreck Sports without the O on Twitter and Instagram. Um, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, mostly Apple and Spotify. Give us five stars if you're feeling generous in the brand new year. Um, so, yeah, Happy New Year to all our listeners out there. Uh, we hope you guys had a nice, safe, and happy new year. And we are here with uh, episode 20. We, we had some 20-something. We I stopped calling yeah. <laughs> Donnie put in the notes 20-something because I just stopped putting episode numbers like a couple weeks ago. And I was like, well, I don't even have any idea. So it's episode 20-something, Happy Hour Hoops, uh, first of 2021. And mm. we're going to start off today with... I think the probably the conversation that everybody's been having the last week or so because everybody's been trying to jump on Steph Curry for his yeah. basketball team. Um, they were the Warriors started off slow, and then Steph kind of heard everybody talking shit, and Sunday night went off, and it was dude, it was so nice. I was sitting there watching, and I had that game on, and Steph, it felt like five years ago when I was watching basketball, like I felt like I was transported and I'm just scrolling Twitter. It's like, Oh, Steph going off in the second quarter. I was like, okay, shit. And turn it on right away. And then I, you get to see this explosion went for 62, his career high. Um, last night went for 39 and eight in a win over the Kings. They blew out the Kings. So they're up to four and three. And uh, I don't know. There's the discourse around Steph is just, it's always, it's always one extreme or the other. Where where are you feeling yeah. on this day, uh, on here, January 5th, about Steph Curry? I feel he's a two-time MVP of this league. And, I mean, I, people are just so quick to forget. Like, I, I'm honestly not surprised by this for Steph Curry. And uh, I don't think people should be. And I touched on this in our uh, 12 Takes of Christmas episode that – so early in the basketball season this always happens like if someone starts slow or if someone's you know kind of coming out of nowhere in a diamond in the rough people jump to conclusions and you know crown someone for being a superstar when they're not and this happened with Steph Curry I mean we saw the Warriors losing some games which nobody's used to we saw Curry you know he wasn't even playing that poorly he just you know wasn't playing to the Steph levels that everyone knows. And then, you know, he saw, he saw the shit talking happening on Twitter. He, I'm sure he had some crazy fans in his DMS and he was like, fuck this. You know, he, he <laughs> threw on his three point strap and got to work. Well, that's the thing, right? We were talking about, like you just said, like everybody wants to make the statements like right away, especially at the beginning of the year. Like if you watch a Warriors game at any point this year, they're fucking, they're like, it's they're like we're in a box and one they're running like quadruple teams at stuff i remember seeing some picture of the, one of their games earlier in the year where there were four guys on him as he's crossing half court like before he can even cross half court like there's no 
no weapons on this team at all. I mean, everything, everybody, I'm, I'm out on Kelly Oubre at this point. I think this is the last <laughs> chance I've given him at this point. Like, I think he's okay, but he's not like a starter. He's not like an impact guy. And everybody in the off season was like, oh, well, they're going to have Oubre. I mean, he'll like, he's not replacing Clay Thompson. It's not even close. Like no. Clay Thompson would never go one for 29 to start a season from three. That would just be, if Clay Thompson ever he missed. He hit a couple last night. He did hit a couple last night. Yeah. But if Clay Thompson ever hit, missed like five threes in a row i think he'd start to worry about himself not yeah. 28 i don't even know it's just they're young they they having draymond back definitely looked like it's it's just brought something different to them on the floor um that he's been back like not that he's been out of this world even to start the season but like they were just missing that kind of presence on the floor for the warriors in general but Steph is going to get his shots. <laughs> like he, like the shots are going to start falling for Steph Curry, no matter what. I think that's what people need to remember. Like if he gets loose, they're going to go in. Like he's the greatest shooter we've ever seen. Yeah. And no, he's not, he's he probably not going to carry this Warriors team to an NBA title. Um, I don't think that that should diminish anything that he a has done in the past, which is the most ridiculous thing that I keep saying. I keep and I keep seeing people like I see all the you know all the comments about LeBron carrying bad teams and everything. It's like okay, Steph is six three. He's not LeBron James. Like yeah. LeBron's a six nine freak who can do everything on a basketball court. Steph is just a great like not just a great shooter, but there's levels to this shit. Like I don't yeah. I don't understand like I don't understand Almost. why people are so out to get him all the time. I'm also sure that one of those LeBron-led Cavs teams early in his career probably started with a similar record that to the what the Warriors have now. Yeah, like we're seven games he, in. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, oh, like obviously everyone loves to make their hot takes. Like we we dedicated an entire episode to it, but it I don't know some of the some of the stuff just needs to stop. Like it just gets to a certain point. And Curry's going to Curry. And I saw this actually today. When I was reading up on his 62-point uh, performance. And apparently, and I guess it kind of makes sense if you think about it, but Steph's 62 is the most in a game since Booker's 70 against the Celtics in 2017, which is pretty crazy. Because I feel like nuts. the players that we have in the league right now with Harden – you know, even Tatum dropping 40 a few nights ago, Booker, KD, Kyrie. Like there's been, I feel like there's been so many 50 point games since then, but just no one's, you know, kind of got over that hump. And I feel like even like just looking at the box score isn't enough to like actually think about scoring 62 in a game. I mean, it hasn't been done in three years. Uh, and yeah, it's it seems as if Curry is back. And I, I definitely like what you said about Draymond too. Uh, I think I maybe even didn't give the Warriors enough credit for Draymond just just for him being a vocal leader. I mean, you see those uh, videos of him on Instagram today, like trying to call a play coming over half court, and he's literally like jumping, jumping like, up and yeah, four feet off the ground. But like that's the type of intensity he brings, and yeah, he he looks like a goober sometimes. But I mean, that's Draymond. He he can run an offense. He can, you know speak vocally to his guys on defense. He probably talks more than anyone from the bench when he's out of the game. Um, I, I think the the Warriors are probably just fine for right now. I mean, there's definitely no reason to hit the panic button. Of course, they're worse without Clay and the people who thought that a swap of Ubre for Thompson was going to, you know, be just fine. Obviously, you guys are incorrect, but... <laughs> 
I don't know. I, I just I think it's a little too early to start worry about starting to worry about Steph and the Warriors. I just don't. I'm just. I people need to just stop. Like just stop coming. Like you don't. I think that like all these like random NBA Twitter hoopers think that they could because Steph just hits threes that they can go out on the court and just hit a bunch of threes and they would be good. <laughs> like it's not happening. Like this is your wit. Like enjoy what you're mm-hmm. witnessing because we're not going to see it ever again with somebody like this. Like he. It's just like the other night, like I, I swear, like that feeling of just going back and being like, oh shit, it's Steph going off again. Like on a, like there's nothing like that in the NBA. Like there's a very few things like it in the NBA, at least. Um, I think we just need to appreciate that. So the Warriors right now, four and three, um, cluttered up. They're right now sixth in the West, cluttered into a group with like around Portland, Dallas, Utah, New Orleans, right in there. Uh, the rest of the West, the Clippers are five and two, the Suns five and two, and the Lakers five and two. Um, I think that's going to be the class of the West. I mean, it's very, very early, but I think we've, we were very early on the jump, obviously the Lakers and Clippers, but we were very early. I said last week on the takes podcast, the Suns are going to be the second best team in the West. Um, they played like that. They got smacked by the Clippers the other night, but, um, they've still looked good to start the year. Um, let's go to the East though. And we're going to talk about a team who's not doing so well to start the year, the Toronto Raptors. Um, did you expect this at all, bro? Like, because we, I feel like we were still pretty high on the Raptors, just the infrastructure and everything. They just look like a fucking mess on the court, bro. And you got to watch them firsthand last mm-hmm. night. I didn't get to see much. I saw some of that game, but it was a, it was, it was just a shit show. And Tatum just got whatever he wanted. Good out of old fashioned beatdown. <laughs> Uh yeah, I I am surprised at the Raptors. I figured they would be worse, and I even thought to myself that maybe this team would miss the playoffs. You know, losing Serge and Gasol, like those are two huge uh, interior presences, and Ibaka is so underrated. He's still one of my favorite players in the NBA. But yeah, I just I you know we both talked about how it was kind of that next man up system over there in Toronto, and Nick Nurse is a good coach. Uh, no matter how much I hate him. And yeah, Lowry and Van Fleet are still there who are both certified scorers. And yeah, you talk, you know, you, you talk about OG Ananobi too. We thought we, we'd see a big leap from he, from him. And it's not that he's playing poorly, but yeah, it's just something, something's off about the Raptors. And I, I mean, Siakam is just the same story that we've had like the last few seasons now. It's like ever since, or not last few seasons, but last like year or so, ever since the bubble happened, uh, he just hasn't really got right. You know, before the bubble, he was doing well, but still not um, as well as their championship season. And then in the bubble, you know, he started playing a little more poorly than that series against Boston. He kind of really fell apart and, now this season and it's young so again we you know are going to try to stay off <laughs> hounding yeah. guys as much as we can but he's shooting a really bad percentage from the field and from 3 and that's just not what you want to see with uh from your alleged best player it's just been a mess bro like you can tell and especially on the defensive end like it just like their half court offense and defense is just so out of whack and it's they really miss Ibaka and Gasol like they really really miss those two just as quarterbacking the thing but I think just also 
the guards feel like they have to do so much more and they really don't have like now teams can focus on those guys right like first of all we we were never high on siakam to begin with i would i mean as a superstar level guy or anything but just the amount that they can put their big guys on him um and just defend him differently he's not he's not a go-to guy that's going to get a bucket when there's a double team on him or even be able to get out of a double team. He's really not that guy. Um, and it, it's, they've given him a lot of, you know, they gave him a lot of money to be that guy. And right now, like, where did they go from like Lowry's on the last year of his deal? I would assume that they're going to try to move him at some point here. Like there's no point in keeping him around on this roster. If this is, it's going to just be a lost year for them. Um, obviously they just gave Van Vliet all that money. I, we're still, I'm still pretty high. I think OG, he's been pretty good to start the year. I think he can be better, but maybe not. Maybe that's, maybe he is just a great role player on this team, but I don't know. Like, even when you look at their roster, like now that we're like, now that you can take a step back and see like how they've performed and you just look at the roster, it's like, okay, it kind of makes sense that this team isn't like, isn't doing well. And we've just been so accustomed to them figuring it out, like really over like the last eight, nine years when DeRozan was there, they were still, you know, a contender. They were still high up in the East. And then obviously they get Kawhi, they win the title. And then we're still able to next that last year, kind of almost get, almost get to the conference finals, almost make a run at it again. But I think now it's just the, I think it's the leftovers from these guys and it's just, it's not the it's not the year. They don't and and they're displaced. Like they're in Tampa. They're not in Toronto. Like it's yeah. just a weird year for them. I think, but yeah. probably not what we expected. Yeah, starting the season one and six as of right now, and the the only game they've won is when Siakam got benched. And for those of you who don't know, I believe it was Nick Nurse's just uh, decision to bench Siakam because uh, the game prior he fouled out and walked to the locker room prematurely um, before the game was over. Just when he fouled out, he walked out on his team. Uh, Nick Nurse took that as him not being a team player or something along those lines. Benched the next game, which I believe was on New Year's Eve, and that's when the Raptors got their first win. Um, so before we move on to the Raptors, do you, I mean, do you think this is panic time? I mean, right now it looks like they will for sure miss the playoffs, but as we've both been saying, it's, it's super early to, you know, call these type of things. So, I mean, what, what, like, I mean, I think if they're going, if it keeps going like this, they're just going to be bad. Like I, yeah. right, for, for them, it just, just be bad. Like there's nothing, there's nothing they can do to fix this team other than just tear it down. I mean, get rid of Lowry, get rid of, honestly, get rid of Siakam. And we've heard all the, I mean, the Harden, the Raptors were in on Harden to start with. And we've heard from Houston that they don't want Siakam. Like he's not a piece that they think that is matching up to their like all-star level player. And that's telling enough, I think for everybody else, like the fact that, you know, that he's not viewed by that by other teams I, and I still think they should try to get something for him, though, because I don't think that he's the guy. You, I think the more that they keep him on this roster, the more of an anchor he's going to be as like a salary cap guy. And just he's not he's not what he's getting paid. He's just not that good. I just think I think they're in trouble, honestly. And I know that that trying to stay away from that. But I, I mean, they're not going to be I don't think they're going to be worse than the Hornets, the Bulls, like some of these teams at the bottom of the East that we think are going to be there. But 
I don't think they're making the playoffs if they're looking like this. And I think there's some better teams in the East this year. Um, obviously, the Nets are going to slide back in there. The Knicks have looked competent. We'll talk about them again later. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just do a rundown right now. The Sixers are 6-1. Six and one. They're top the East. Embiid has looked like a fucking monster when he's been playing. Their only loss was when he didn't play against the Cavs. Um, the Magic and Pacers, both 5-2 and two at the top there. The Celtics, 5-3. and three, And then you've got four teams that are four and three, the Knicks, Cavs, Bucks, and Hawks. Um, and then the Brooklyn Nets in the 10th spot right now, they're three and four. KD is out for four games due to health and safety protocols, which I don't really understand because I thought Kevin Durant had COVID at the beginning of the year. Remember in, tw- in March, 2020 yeah. he had COVID. So I'm confused as to like what the reasoning would be that he has to sit out. He's still testing positive for antibodies. Did you see anything on this? Because I was not clear on it. I <clears throat> I haven't seen why like he's actually sitting out now, but I believe um like are you speculating because like he like he already had it? So like what yeah, like what like what's go I would just wonder what's going on because that just seems weird to me. I think uh, I think it's because like people I believe people can get it twice now. I think that's that that's like come out, so like maybe that's the worry, but like I also don't. Oh, well, I guess it's not four days; it's four games, so that could be like over a week or ten days or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, I I know what you mean, but I think I guess that would be it's probably. Game. I would assume, yeah, it's just play it safe rather than not yeah. do whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, that so Durant's out for the next four games. We know Dinwiddie; they're trying to get a disabled player exception, so I don't think Dinwiddie's going to be back this year. Even though the Nets yeah. have not really said that, which sucks. I mean. Because he's such an important part to them, and just he's in a contract year, everything that sucks for Dinwiddie. But on top of that, like this team, even with everybody healthy, they got issues, man. Like they can't play defense. And I know, like it's very exciting to watch them play, and especially like the games where Durant and Kyrie are both going off. But they can't get stops. They're terrible down low, which is weird. When Jared Allen, they yeah. don't, they haven't figured out the Jared Allen. They really need to figure out the Jared Allen DeAndre Jordan thing. I don't think either of those guys are happy right now. Like it doesn't seem like they are, at least. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it is bizarre that I mean, we we talked about this before the season. We we had our you know, we had our thoughts that this team might be a little poor defensively with some lineups out there, but yeah, you never really expected for the interior presence on defense to be lacking because Allen and DeAndre Jordan before anything are both shot blockers. So yeah, it might be, yeah. Like you've mentioned unhappiness. Um, maybe they're not sharing the minutes correctly. I don't, I don't really know, but that is, that is a surprise that, you know, they're at least, you know, not like, get, I don't know, blocking all these shots or just having a good interior presence. I mean, the the wings, obviously, besides Durant, you know, you can have some troubles defending, but I, I am yeah. shocked by that that interior. Well, they don't really, like, so that's the thing. Besides those two guys, there's no real interior defense on this team, right? Like, Durant is coming off an Achilles, he's not as effective on the defensive end as he used to be. It's just he doesn't move as well. Like, and he's not a big either. Like He's a tall, but he's not going to like body up bigs down there either. Other than that, like they don't have a four to put out there on the floor. Like It's Jeff Green, kind of, but he's not really – like he's more of a three, four, like in-between guy. Like Torian Prince is not big enough to be a four. Like They don't have the option – 
to go to like a big defensive lineup. And all then they're off and their lineups that they can put out there are just a lot of turnstiles, bro. Like I like TLC is he's okay. He's I wouldn't say he's he's probably their best option on the wing as a defender, but he shouldn't be getting minutes over some of these guys. But it's like out of necessity that he is getting minutes over these guys. Levert really doesn't play any defense at all. That's and yeah. I think that's why he doesn't start at all with them. Shamit doesn't play any defense at all. Like you just go down the list. Like Joe Harris might be one of their best defenders, and that's not what you want no. on a contending team. I'm kind of surprised about Levert. I kind of thought, you know, by this time in his career, because he's super athletic. He's a, a naturally athletic basketball player and his, it, it helps him so much on the offensive end and usually guys who have that crazy athleticism can use that to their advantage very well in the defensive end but yeah you, you're right we, we haven't seen it much from Levert and obviously he still has time to change that in his career but I mean the Nets are kind of in a win now scenario yeah we talked about it dude like if this team team isn't in the conference finals come the end of this regular season. Talk, like that is a bust. That is a yeah. bust of a team. And you don't usually say that too often, but you also don't usually have the best scorer in the world. And, you know, arguably one of the best scoring point guards on the same team with a team that has unreal depth. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, definitely not the same panic situation as the Toronto Raptors. But, um, yeah, I'd say the Nets are certainly turning some heads earlier this season, and it, it's not, it's not uh, for good reasons. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this year develops because if this team keeps going around like this, like we know we've talked about it before, this team's the – chemistry, the chemistry is very fluid, I think, with this team. I think it's a lot more on Steve Nash than he thought he was going to – like he needs to step in and like, do some shit for this team. Like it's – they can't just be out there – running around like it's not it can't be Kyrie and Durant show it's not working that way and they're not they're not getting they're not getting the results that they thought they were going to do and you want to look at it there I think it was so funny that Kyrie said you know that there's that quote from that podcast earlier and that is Durant's the guy asked the guy I can look and go get those shots and then the other night they play the Hawks and they both miss the shots at the end like oh, yeah. it's it's poetic and the universe always works in funny ways like that but it's like all right if you guys can't deliver in those moments and what are we doing here like you can you can't beat the Hawks at home like what are we do? got like they're like they were clean signature. looks yeah yeah they're both like their signature shots like Durant was like like a, a mid-range jumper, like falling away to his right, and Kyrie's was an ISO, like a tiny little step. Kyrie was wide open. Kyrie yeah. was wide open. Uh, so was Durant. Yeah. Durant was just off a rebound. I think he rushed it, honestly. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, why am I making excuses for the, like the best <laughs> player in the world? Like, fuck that. Yeah. Especially when like you're even in that situation in the first place. Like, I mean, this is a team going in. So many people thought a clear cut one seed. And they could still do it, but right now it's looking like they'll be at the top of the East still. I'm not worried about where they are right now, but it's not looking like they're a clear-cut number one seed. No, they're, I don't think they're going to be the number one seed. I don't think that they can win enough regular. I don't think with that defense they're going to they're going to lose games that they shouldn't lose because yeah. they can't play yeah, defense. And there's the East is great. Like the, There are some teams in the East that are, are ready for the playoffs right now. We're going to get into them here quick. All right, so we're going to do – this is our how we're gonna finish that. We're gonna do like a would you rather 
type thing here uh, with some players, some rosters. We got five topics to go through, and we're gonna we're gonna roll through them here. The first one we're gonna do is the two better two of the better teams in the East. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you rather have? And I think you know I know what you're gonna say here, yeah. but I think this is an interesting argument now because of uh, the development of this guy is Jalen Brown or Ben Simmons. So the Ben Simmons experience in Philly, he is, he's only averaging 13 points right now, but he's averaging damn 9.9 rebounds, seven assists. And beat has really been the stud for them though. And that's the engine that makes that team go. I still think the Harden trade is going to happen with this roster at some point, especially with Simmons. Like imagine if you put, take Simmons out and then you add Harden's, averaging 27 like it just mm-hmm. ma- like the way this team is built i just feel like the Harden thing makes so much sense for them and jalen brown this year especially the last couple games doing exactly what we thought he was going to do like we i feel like we were all over this about jalen brown to start the year he's averaging 27 points a game i mean he's shooting 42 percent from three He's taking he, the last two years. He upped his three points. He took almost six point threes last year. He's taken five three, just a little bit over five threes a game this year. Um, he's getting to the line. I, I just think he's been more effective than ever. And I kind of wanted to do this as a Tatum or Jalen Brown thing, but I'm gonna I'll go off of that because Tatum had forty last night and showed off and was like, all right, yeah, we're gonna put that to rest for a little bit. But I feel like there's seriously an argument here about who you would rather have on your team right now is Jalen Brown or Ben Simmons. I think if Jalen Brown keeps scoring like this, it's not even gonna be a question. And they're they're from the same draft class. They're obviously 2016. Jalen Brown was third, Simmons was first, and. I don't know. It's just it's interesting to me because these these are the two teams that I right now they look like two of the best teams in the East, and these are the two young guys that could make or break their seasons. Besides, there are other superstars on their team. Yeah, um, I like you said. I think you don't mind answer. I'm going with Jalen Brown. Um, before I get into my argument, why he did get snubbed for the Eastern uh, Eastern Player of the Week, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Tobias Harris won that award, and Tobias Tobias had a great week. Um, but I, I just think you got to give it to Brown. I mean, he was he averaged I think twenty nine point five points per game over a four game stretch and shot sixty six percent from the field, and that's just crazy for a shooting guard. I go into it uh, a little more in my article on players of the week in the NBA from. December 28th to January 3rd. By the time you guys are listening to this, that article will be out on trainwrecksports.com. So check it out. Um, but yeah, I think Jalen, to me right now, is better. And this is biased, but I think to me, Jalen's better in just about every category over Ben. But Ben Simmons' playmaking combined with his size is just... I think that's where the argument can come in. I mean, Ben, ben Simmons' playmaking and transition, it really does look like Magic Johnson. Like, if you go back and look at, you know, Magic Johnson highlights, like Ben Simmons shows that in his game. And just, the, I mean, you can't teach size. Ben's bigger than Jalen Brown is, and he has that playmaking ability. And he doesn't necessarily have to shoot side as much as Brown does. So, 
I'm still going Jalen Brown, but I also think like if you're asking this question, it just it's going to depend on the rest of the roster for me. More often than not, I'm going with Brown because I think he can fit on, you know, fit basically into any system where Ben Simmons kind of needs to be in a system that he's in right now, or at least have guys around him that he can just get assists to all the time. And I think Jalen's defensive game on the perimeter is just gets better every game. His shooting speaks for itself right now. And he's just crazy athletic. Yeah. I just, I want to see the ball in his hands as much as possible. I want, I think the, I think that the way that they're not using him enough, they've been starting to do it the last couple of games, but the way that they, that to unlock him is to be the primary playmaker on the team. Cause I think he's a better playmaker than Tate. I, they want Tatum to be that playmaker. I think Jalen is willing to be that playmaker. And he just, he looks like Tatum will avoid contact going to the rim. Like he doesn't get, like we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but he's not getting free throws that he wasn't getting free throws at the beginning of the season. Like he doesn't find contact. Jalen Brown will go in there like barreling into people and try to find contact and doing that will have draw people to you. It'll draw help to you and he can kick out to shooters and get them in better positions. I just think that there's a lot of things that, Brad's going to find out about Jalen just from using him more, having to use him more and more this year. And it's going to unlock a different side of him. But like you said about Simmons too, like Simmons in the open floor, it really is Matt. He's, he's essentially Matt, like the next, the magic Johnson of this era in that way. I mean that you could say that about LeBron too, but that's Simmons doesn't get that respect from people for whatever reason. People just want to hate on Simmons because he can't shoot threes. I guess that's the reason why, but like the dude in the open floor and his court vision is unmatched to other people in the NBA. And it's just a level that you can unlock with him. And that's why I still like, I will harp on it forever. When I, like if you saw him with this Rockets roster with John wall and Christian Wood and like, those, that's the more of a team built for him than a team that needs the space around MB because he can't give that space. Um, so I don't know. Both these teams, I think right now, I mean, have you been able, have you watched a lot of Sixers games yet? this year because the Sixers just look like a tank like honestly yeah this year. I haven't caught too many games I've, I've wanted to watch more um but yeah and I mean they do they do like really really look that good and I think I don't remember how many games ago now is I think it was the end of last week it might have been New Year's Eve or the day before but it was Magic Sixers and I remember looking at like uh you know, Vegas's lines for the game. And I'm pretty sure the Magic were favored because they were 4-0. and And I'm just like, that's just like, I mean, the Magic, and they're still, have like, I think they're like 5-2 and two right now, the Magic or something. Yeah. But, like, I was just shocked by that. I'm like, dude, the Sixers, and that was, I think the Sixers were like 1-1 one and one at that point. Or, or no, they, their record couldn't have been that, that many, uh, little games. But whatever it was, I was just shocked that the Sixers – weren't favored over the, the Orlando Magic. And then from that game on, they've really just been on a tear. You know, Embiid's kind of figured it out. Simmons is doing his thing. And uh, all the things we talked about at the Sixers getting better at in the offseason, you know, new coaching, obviously a plus. Better shooting around Simmons and Embiid is working. Um, you know, this is kind of – this was the make-or-break season. Is this – are they going to have to give up on the Simmons and Embiid duo? Or is it going to work? And right now they're proving that it works. And I also agree with what you said, though. Like if 
I mean, if a trade for Harden presents itself, I, f- I feel like Philly has to do it, even if it is for Simmons. But I think both teams win in that scenario. So, I, I yeah, I, I think you're, you're exactly right. The, the 76ers are for sure kind of the team to beat right now in the East, which is crazy. And I hate saying it because I, one of my favorite <laughs> pastimes is ripping on the 76ers. But, I mean. Oh, damn time, honestly. Like, yeah, we've been talking right. about it for years that it should be this way. and. Yeah. Uh, so let's go on to the maybe the actual best team in the Eastern Conference, the New York Knicks. <laughs> so the Knicks last night, first, Julius Randle is, I've never seen, I don't know what's gotten into him, bro. Like, what has gotten into Julius Randle? Last night, he goes 28, 17, and nine. And RJ Barrett had 25 points alongside of that. Julius Randle looks like Chris Webber out here. Like he's a, all of a sudden a playmaker. He's hitting threes. He's doing everything for them right now. Currently averaging 22 points a game with 11 rebounds and seven assists like that. It's ridiculous. Barrett is averaging 18, seven and three. They got Alec Burks is averaging 20 points right now. in the three games that he's played Alfred Payton and Austin rivers are giving them good minutes. This team, they look, like a confident Knicks team, bro. But the would you rather we're doing here is would you rather have this young core of Knicks players? Are we getting too far ahead of ourselves? Or would you rather have the Sacramento Kings who started off, you know, they started off decently. They were three and four right now. They got absolutely destroyed last night by the Warriors. And then there was some drama with some tweets from Marvin Bagley and De'Aaron Fox's dad complaining about the, the Kings organization. So that can't be a this fucking AAU game. I know dude. that's what I mean, bro. Dad's like, tweeting at the coaches, but that's a mess. Like that's, it just oh, seems like some normal know that, dude. King that's shit. Awesome. Yeah. They were, they're tweeting, complaining about, about the Kings last night. And it's just oh. this team I, I think the last podcast, I was like, I'm not, I've been trying to not to get excited about the Kings. I always get excited about the Kings. And then I bought in, really got excited about the Kings. And now here they are again. Looks like they're going down this bad rabbit hole again. But it's still Fox. It's still Bagley. Still Buddy Heald. Tyrese Halliburton, obviously, rookie. Everybody's really excited about the way he's been playing. So who would you rather have? Would you rather have this Knicks roster or would you rather have this Kings roster going forward? So are we doing like roster of like like the, the like young core for young core or RJ Barrett and Julius? I'm Green? saying all of them. Just the entire okay. team, yeah. Um hmm. that's tough, dude. I I might have to go Knicks on this one. <sighs> I really love Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox. I don't like Marvin Bagley. Just, I mean, purely for for from an injury standpoint, which sucks, but, I mean, the best ability is availability, and he's been banged up, like, his entire NBA career. And then you mentioned Julius Randle, who's just come on so strong um, recently. And I actually have a theory. You, you said – you know, Randall's kind of been playing out of his mind lately. He kind of came out of nowhere. He looks like a, a Chris Webber out there. My theory is when Zion was coming into the league, people were comparing him to a better Julius Randall. <laughs> and then, like, people were talking about, you know, Zion to the Knicks. He didn't go to the Knicks. And coincidentally, he got his college teammate sent to the Knicks and R.J. Barrett. Now Julius Randall is playing with R.J. Barrett. I think it's 
I think he's having a little revenge season. Like, fuck you guys, dude. Like, I, I'm better than Zion until he proves otherwise. And he's been balling. I thought about making this Julius Randle versus Zion, but I figured that might have been a little bit too, too yeah, extreme. Yeah, have been a little too real. <laughs> no, but I'm uh, with I'm with you yeah. on that. But I, I to, to answer the question, I think I am going to take take the Knicks, just because Barrett, like Barrett, has I think out of anyone on both teams, RJ Barrett has the highest potential. Yeah, and they're both young cores. Um, Kevin Knox has been playing great for the Knicks too. Your guy, uh, Mitchell Robinson, you know, he he's going to get his. He's he's only getting better every game. Um, so I do love De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald. That's my draw to the Kings. I also really like the Halliburton um, draft selection for the Kings. But, yeah, I think I got to go next here. I'm – I'm with you took the words out of my mouth because I was going to say the I'm going to probably go with the Knicks and turn on my Kings, but it's only because of RJ Barrett because yeah. I still think he's got super duper star potential. And I think people were out on him last year way too early, but now he has the ball in his hands a lot more. And you, that's what he's most dangerous as he's dangerous as a playmaker and he can get his shot no matter what, like he's always going to get his shot, but he's dangerous as a playmaker. And, uh, the Kings, I think, are just a fucking mess, bro. Like, I think that they're all they're just gonna continue to be a mess. And that's, so that's... crazy, dude. I can't believe their dads are fucking <laughs> tweeting. Like that. So, what was their complaint? Like, just like I gotta find, or... I gotta find the exact tweet. It was, it was funny seeing it though. Marvin Bagley, dad. <laughs> uh, that is awesome. Marvin Bagley tweets for Kings to trade son, cast shadow over team, solid start. And Marvin De'Aaron Fox's way in. De'Aaron Fox's dad said to trade De'Aaron too. So yeah, they're both uh, they're both asking for trades. At Sacramento Kings, please trade Marvin Bagley the third ASAP. Love Coach Bagley. What? <laughs> Come on now. That's just like that's embarrassing though. Like yeah, if I was Marvin Bagley, I'd be pissed. Yeah, I'd be really pissed. Like it's one, even if you think that also, and like, even if you're like hoping for a trade, like, dude, do you see how easily players get traded now? If they just go to the front office and ask, like, I'm sure the Kings who, like you mentioned, are kind of a disaster again, I'm sure they're thinking about it. And obviously they don't want to trade Fox, but like, I'm sure Bagley could find himself a way out if he just talked to upper management about it. (laughs) And Aaron Fox is De'Aaron Fox's father's name, which that's interesting. Just he responded to somebody's tweet about it was a wob tweet. Yikes, the Marvin Bagley trade demand sake. It takes another turn, this time from De'Aaron Fox's father. And he's responding to some random person's tweet said trade him about his own son. <laughs> so yeah, so it's not looking great in King in Sacramento for those guys. Jeez. But yeah, this uh, the Kings. We'll see what happens. I feel like that's just a ticking time bomb at this point, though, when guys are going out like that. Like, it's – it's, and I've never been a Luke Fulton fan to begin with. And I don't think he can – I don't think he's the guy for them. Um, and Fox is not developed like people thought he was going to. And obviously the Knicks are able, have been able to – with Thibodeau and whatever they're doing, they're able to develop these guys and getting them to play. I love Coach Tibbs, especially yeah. for the Knicks. Like, I feel like it just makes – like, that's – It's perfect. Of, yeah. He's so, like he's the best coach to like revive a team, especially with like this young like they're they're like they're a tough group too, which is it kind of all makes sense. And you, you talk about Luke Walton with the the Kings. I think 
the Kings are such a shit show, they might honestly be better off with Bill Walton as the <laughs> head coach. Just At like, least it'd be fun. Yeah, telling stories about like him doing acid and stuff. <laughs> but uh, uh, He might be able to relate to the dads a little bit more. But yeah, just I was going to say like, that. They might just... They'd be happy together. Yeah. Let's all relax here. Uh, how, the guy that actually has been uh, looking like what De'Aaron, we thought De'Aaron Fox would look like this year is Colin Sexton, though. Oh, um, baby. So we're here, and we're going to go with another would you rather. Would you rather right now have C.J. McCollum or Colin Sexton? So as of right now, Colin Sexton for Cleveland is having a breakout season to start the year. He's averaging 25 points, um, not really doing much in the assist game. He's only three assists, two rebounds, but – shooting the lights out over 55% from the field. He's shooting over 50% from three. I don't think that's going to hold up, but no, I mean, that's crazy. That it, that's the wild. improvement from 40 and 38% last year is just otherworldly. Um, but CJ is also having a career year to start the year. He's averaging 28 points to start the year, um, five assists, four rebounds, and he's shooting 43% from three while shooting 45% from the field, which would, that would be his best three-point percentage for the year. Um, this is the question. This is the Northeast Ohio question of the episode, since CJ's a Canton <laughs> boy, and it's a kind of we're talking about Colin Sexton here. But I think it's a really interesting argument to make because CJ's obviously older player. He's twenty-nine going into and probably just in the last couple of years of his prime. But it's more about what do we expect from Sexton going forward? Because obviously as the cat, as a Cavs fan here, I'm hoping that Sexton turns into an all-star guard and can, you know, carry a team like he has so far because the Cavs have looked pretty decent so far with the way he's been playing. But CJ, we've never been able to see what CJ really, really can do because he's been on the team with Dame and Dame is just so incredible. But this year it's, it looks like it's more, more than ever the two of them going off than just Dame and then CJ with the spot duty. Yeah, I I think for this one here, and obviously like you mentioned age, um, so it, it would really depend on all, what the rest of your roster looks like, but that's not the game, and I need to pick one. <laughs> um, I'm going CJ McCollum just because, just I mean, he's, you know, done it for seasons and seasons and Colin Sexton's sample size is just so small right now. Um, I love what Sexton's doing. I, I think it's, I think he was, he deserves this honestly for himself. I mean, he got a lot of shit last year for kind of not living up to the hype. And now he's shooting the lights out, as you mentioned. Um, so yeah, I mean, Sexton's future looks super bright and he, I mean, no one can knock this guy's intensity since from his college days. I'm sure everyone's seen that clip where, you know, he's like, he slaps the floor and just gets right in the defender's well, face. He went three on five. Guys. He went yeah. three on five and won a game. <laughs> no, yeah, I'll like, never forget that. I didn't know who he was at all. And I saw, I remember scrolling Twitter that day and be like, Colin Sexton is three on five right now for the Alabama. I was like, what? The, how does it even, then fucking one, bro. Like that's, that's a, you got to have some kind of killer mentality to be able to do that shit. Yeah. So me picking CJ is no, you know, knock or disapproval to Sexton's game, but I'm just going McCollum just because of how pure he is as a scorer. His catch and shoot ability is, you know, oh yeah, worldly. And he's just like he's one of like the very few pure, pure shooting guards in the league. 
like obviously people want shooting guards you know to play defense rebound now be a shot blocker even sometimes but cj is a smooth pure shooting guard and uh yeah i just i just think i just think he'd be he'd be the better choice as of right now yeah, I think if CJ was on his own team, he might be like we might be talking about him at a different level, and that's kind yeah. of the point that I want to get around to on this. Is that I love Sexton. I think he's gonna be. I think he's. I don't think it's a fluke what he's doing. I think this is what he he works so hard at his game and everything. I think this is where he's gonna end up. But I think for CJ, we're seeing it now because I think Dame is kind of letting CJ not even letting CJ get the reins, but I think they're taking it more evenly now because they know how good CJ is. And if they can, you know, get Dame to not flame out by the end, not even that he flames out, but you could tell by the end of the bubble last year, Dame was exhausted in those some yeah. of those games. And if they can even that out a little bit, because I think CJ can be that scorer for them. Um, so it's just it's just interesting to see like the development of these two guys in different parts of their career, but kind of still coming into their own at that way. So we got a couple more here before we'll wrap up. We're gonna go with Devin Booker or Trey Young. Who would you rather have? So, and this is also talking about the Hawks and the Suns just as a whole, I think these are the two teams before the year that got the most hype in the East and the West as like a young team that we expected to be pretty damn good. And they both for better or worse kind of held up for that. Um, the, the Suns obviously are, have looked great five and two to start the year. Um, they look like they're a real contender in the West, especially with Chris Paul and Chris Paul hasn't even really started scoring. Like we're used to Chris Paul scoring yet, but Trey Young is like turning into James Harden all of a sudden, getting to the free throw line and doing what he needs to do. Um, so for you, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Trey or would you rather have Book right now? I think this is honestly the toughest one that we uh that we put on this board right here. Oh man. Is it I think I'm gonna do it. I I, I think I'm going Trey Young. I just, I, I don't know. He just plays so, like, he's the closest thing to Curry in the league right now, right? Yeah. Like, he, like, Booker has range. Booker can shoot the ball. No one has range like Curry. Trey Young has range, like, right below Curry. Mm-hmm. Like, this dude, countless times, like, his shots from the logo aren't luck anymore. Like, he does it almost by the game. Like, and now, I mean, right now, he's averaging. 28.6 points per game and just over nine assists a game. Like everyone, I feel like people were giving uh, Trey Young, you know, they were kind of rationing him last year for not getting teammates involved enough. But like he, he didn't have the teammates, yeah, involved, yeah. And now he has this unreal roster, and he's doing exactly what a floor general should do, and he's also putting up almost 30 points a game. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think I, I like Trey Young as the pick just because it is it's so hard to find guys like Trey Young and Steph and Kyrie and Dame who are these excellent scoring point guards, but they can also they just have a feel for the game and they just know where their teammates are and they know what the you know what the right move is a few steps before everyone else. And I talked about this before the season even started, I think. Having I said Raj, having Rajon Rondo as a teammate for Trey Young is just going to mean the world to him it, and for the rest of his career, the things he he's going to learn this year from Rondo and if he stays around, you know, maybe he learns even more from Rondo depending how long he stays in Atlanta. But yeah, I'm going Trey just for the simple fact that 
you know, he's, he's the real deal floor general. Um, and these types of point guards are really hard to come by. Yeah. I'm taking Trey just cause he gets like the, the improvement of he's upped his free, the free throw attempts is just, that's going to be such a difference for them going forward. He's up, went up every single year. So rookie year got to line five times a game last year, nine times a game right now. He's getting there 12 times a game. I mean, those are free points for the dude who is a 90% free throw shooter book is right now. He's down on his free throws. Um, he's down in points too. He's down to 21 points. They're still, obviously they've been effective and they just have a better roster around him where he doesn't have to do as much. But he's not, he's down from seven free throws a game to only about five three throw free throws a game. He's still shooting a good clip from the field, but he's only shooting thirty four percent from three. Um, Trey, on the other hand, is well, he's only shooting thirty three percent from three as well. But it's I think it's just the way that they play. Like Book is not. I don't, I don't think he's the same type of creator that Trey can be, that Trey has the ability to be, yeah, off, especially off the dribble. And I love, and book is definitely better suited to be on a team with someone like Chris Paul who can get him the ball. But I don't, I think Trey could be successful as the lead guy of a team. I don't think book is like the pure number one. And I, that's not even saying like he could definitely be a number one, but we're talking about who would you rather have here? I would rather take Trey and I'd rather take this Hawks roster, which I didn't think I'd be saying because I think Phoenix looks really, really good. But I just think the potential is there for the Hawks to be really special if they keep They're developing. So deep too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Booker, like we've seen, uh, we've seen him try to just do it by himself and in years past and it hasn't really worked. And who knows, you know, when he's a vet, he's, an eight, 10 year league vet, maybe he can do it on his own. And maybe we do see him carry a team down the road, but Trey young, it just looks like that he can do it right now, right? This second better playmaker, as you mentioned than book. And if he's getting to the free throw line, the way he is, um, and he also has that three point shot. I mean, it, I mean, Trey young is just going to be unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, we're we're both in agreement there about Trey. So the last one we're gonna do here is Giannis or Sabonis. And I know this might sound ridiculous because Giannis is obviously two-time defending MVP. The Bucks are, you know, they won the they were best in the league the last two years, best record, but they had disappointing exits. But Devonta Sabonis last year really, really came into his own. And I think everybody really forgot that he was out in that Pacers series against the Heat. Like, no one was talking about it really then. It was like, oh, the Pacers, whatever. It's like, no, like, there's, they're missing easily their best player. And I think he's very much asserted himself as the best player and one of the best players in the East this year. So right now, Sabonis is averaging only 20 points compared to Giannis' 26, but he's still got the 11 rebounds and the 7 assists. Giannis right now, 26, 11, and 5. So it's not like it's – they're not that far off on their stats. Giannis's field goal percentage, 52%. Sabonis, 56. Sabonis, the difference here, Sabonis shooting 52% from three right now. It's only two threes a game, but still. And Giannis, obviously, not a three-point shooter. He's shooting 25%. This is more a question – this is just as much of a question about the Pacers and Bucks as a team as it is about these two. But – I think it's a good case study to see like what kind of player is going to win you playoff games and the Eastern conference and get you far. The Pacers right now are five and two, the bucks four and three. And 
just from the eye test of watching these two teams and the way the Bucks roster is built and the way the Pacers roster is built, I'd almost rather have the Pacers right now, especially if Oladipo is going to keep playing the way he is. But Sabonis is really like Sabonis is just coming into his own as like a super duper star in this league. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Sabonis, dude. Like I, he's, he is just so good. And he's such like a rarity in today's NBA, just for the simple fact, like his footwork on the block is like, impeccable dude yeah and i didn't i honestly like like yeah you can look at statistics but i i didn't really appreciate his three-point shot until this season like it actually looks good like and the two games they played against the celtics like sabonis was knocking down shots from deep and like hand in his face sometimes or wide open and like i don't know sabonis just looked has looked really good he was an all-star season ago I don't think straight up I would take Sabonis over Giannis like if I'm if I'm doing it for a team and I think if you swap these players you know team to team I think the Pacers would still be better uh having Giannis over Sabonis and then if Sabonis went to Milwaukee I think Milwaukee would be pretty bad if uh Sabonis went there yeah but I do like your argument having the Pacers over the Bucks because like you said, all you mentioned that the series, uh, the, the Pacers heat series in the bubble. And you say, you know, Sabonis wasn't there. Old Depot also wasn't a hundred percent for that series, mm-hmm. you know, throwing Sabonis, throwing a healthy Old Depot. That might be one of the most interesting series we saw in the bubble, but yeah, uh, we talked about it. I don't the the Bucks roster just doesn't jump off the page to me. It doesn't excite me. They don't look all that explosive or great in games, aside from that game where they set the record for most threes made. Uh, Which that's going to happen with Budenholzer. Like that's what they yeah. do. they just they chuck up threes all the time. But um, yeah, I, I, I like I actually I do like the Pacers roster better than the Bucks roster right now. Yeah, I'm with you on like it's Giannis is better than Sabotis. Like I'm not, I'm really not trying to like get to the point. Make like I mean I could kind of make it. I I could sit here and defend it if I really wanted to. And I do it. (laughs) That's whatever. But I like the point you made is if Sabotis was on the Bucks, like we wouldn't even be talking about them as a team because it's Giannis. Like that's that's for sure. But I just think it's interesting when you look at these two teams. Um just as a whole and the way that these guys fit their stars fit in on the roster and they're going to see each other a lot this year and they're in the same division as each other. And I just, I'm very excited for the first uh, matchup between them because I don't know. I just, there's something about the bucks this year, man. Like, and I think that we were talking about this before too, but it just looks like they're like, like the shine is off of them now, I guess. And the shine's definitely off of Giannis as much as it was. He's getting way more criticism than he ever had gotten before. When is their first game against each other? February 3rd. So a month from now, they have their first game against each other in Milwaukee. Um, I just, I don't know, man. It's just, it looks like teams are kind of figuring them out and they know what they want to do, especially once they get to the playoffs. Like we know that Budenholzer is not great at adjustments in the playoffs and teams kind of know what they're going to want to do. And all these East teams getting better. Like I wasn't considering the Pacers before the year. We talked a lot about the Nets, uh, the Sixers, um, the Heat, Celtics, obviously. But I think the Pacers are right up there with these teams now and they have to be considered. And it's just more competition for the Bucks to get through that they haven't been able to get through yet. 
Uh, so it'll just be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I think I think actually the most interesting thing between both these teams is that the Milwaukee Bucks let Malcolm Brogdon walk, and now he's a fucking bucket on the Pacers. Dude. Yeah, you don't think the Bucks could use him right now? Like- yeah, exactly. Like, dude, keep keep Brogdon around. You don't have to go and spend all of your future draft assets for Drew Holiday. Yeah, and Brogdon and, and it looks like Brogdon and Oladipo are finally like figuring out how yeah. to like. Uh, you know, really play together because Oladipo really didn't get a lot of time to recover last year and like get in the groove of things after his injury. And now it looks like he's finally doing that. The other interesting thing between these, like I want to see these two teams in the playoffs because it'd be the holiday bowl. Like we'd get Drew versus Aaron and Justin. Like that would be, that would be dope to see together. (laughs) Yeah. These, uh, these two teams have a lot more ties than, you know, people think about and they're not like the biggest or most flashy stories in the NBA. No, no one's no one's really caring about Milwaukee and Indianapolis, but we pay attention to this because yeah. like that game when, when they play battles. each other. Yeah, I'm excited. If I want to see a playoff series with these two, it'd be it'd be a lot of fun. Oh, that'd be great. I, I feel like Brogdon has to average at least like 25 <laughs> in the series if that's the case. <laughs> and who knows which, which holiday is gonna show out? Like I want to yeah. know because the I feel like Justin and Aaron would be like, man, fuck Drew, he's getting all this yeah. money. Like they'd be trying to go after him. We'll see what happens. All right, we got anything else here, Johnny, for the week? Uh, I don't think so. We're gonna have some articles going up. Out of power rankings, you're gonna have players of the week. Yep. Um. So yeah, so keep a lookout on Trainwreck Sports for that. Um, um, yeah, that's about it. I have today. We got anything else? Just uh, to reiterate that Jalen Brown got snubbed from Eastern Conference Player of the Week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's about it for me. And keep an eye out for us on. Uh, we're gonna be popping up and some other on uh, some Trainwreck pods probably here soon too. We might have some people popping up here next week for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just keep an eye out on that. We're going to, well, we're going to, we're trying to maneuver around the, uh, buff the NFL playoffs right now. So that's kind of why we're, our schedule has been a little more chaotic than usual for the start of the NBA season, but there's a, everybody's all in on the NFL playoffs at the moment right now. So We'll, we'll work around that. We still have our MB- – that's why I love – dude, like, it's so nice every single night. Like, I, after this right now, the Nets just the, – it's 7.30 East Coast. The Nets just tipped off. I'm going to get off of here, make some dinner, and t- throw the Nets on. And a month ago, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I, I appreciate every second of it. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. We got basketball. We got football. And this has been another episode of Happy Hour Hoops, guys. So thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks.